Welcome to How Now, the podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And here's your host, Kim Martin Raymond. Peace and blessings, love and light. Welcome to another edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. I am your host, Kim Martin Raymond. I'm a minister, spiritual life coach, author, and founder of Redefining You LLC, where I help my clients to realign themselves, mind, body, and spirit. Welcome again to another edition of the How Now podcast. We are in season two and excited about what the new year is going to bring for this podcast. And uh, one of those things that we're going to be focusing on this year is health and wellness, wellness of mind, wellness of body, wellness of spirit. And, you know, it all begins with mindset, how we go about changing what our thoughts are about ourselves so that we can get to a space of being our best selves. And so, you know, we're going to be having a lot of guests who are going to be featured on our show that are going to be talking about just that, how we get our mind, body, and spirit aligned. Okay, but before we start, make sure that you go to www.hownowpodcast.com and that you subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can know when our new shows are being aired each week. And you can also follow my wellness journey that uh, I've been featuring over the last couple of weeks. So again, make sure you go to www.hownowpodcast.com, like, subscribe, share, and go back and check out some of our shows from season one, and also check out our shows from season two. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and get started. Today's show is entitled, What is Your Crucible? So let's talk about that. Let's dive a little deeper. And as is customary with the How Now podcast, I'm going to ask my guest to introduce himself at this time as he helps us dig in. Hi, Ken. Thank you so much. I'm deeply honored to be on the uh, show today and get a chance to visit with you and and your your followers. Um, I am a former U.S. Marine, served in the 90s, uh, got out, uh, then uh, became a volunteer firefighter. And at that point in time, I invented a uh, product to help firefighters see each other in the dark. I grew that into a uh, pretty good sized business and then eventually wrote a book. Uh, The book was supposed to be about uh, my autobiography, but my publisher says nobody cares about my autobiography (laughs) unless it's my mom or my wife. Uh, So it actually turned out to be a whole different uh, avenue that I'm really excited to talk to you about. And that is the warrior's way and the things that I learned as a warrior to help me prepare for all the challenges that lay ahead as both an entrepreneur and and, uh, climbing the corporate ladder prior to going into business for myself. Awesome. Awesome. Like I said, I am delighted to have you here and to talk about just that because, you know, this is a season where we're still you know, in a pandemic, a lot of people have had to make some hard decisions. A lot of people had to sit with themselves and really try to determine what their next steps are. A lot of people have had to make a lot of pivots in their lives to to adjust to this new now that we're in. And I call it the new now because it is, there is no going back to normal. And uh, there, there was no normalcy in some of the things that we were doing anyway. So, you know, like I said, talk a little bit more to me about 
you know, the, the premise again behind the book. Like you said, it was it was initially going to be an autobiography and then it, uh, you know, kind of transcended in something else. Talk a little bit about that. So what I learned in the Marine Corps, specifically at Paris Island, a recruit training, which was really, really difficult, is how we all have a crucible. Now, the crucible is that crisis in your life that you can't get through that crisis without making a major transformational change in yourself. And for me, that first crucible happened when I was about 18 years old on the parade deck of Paris Island. Um, I was very arrogant. I was obviously a young 18-year-old full of a lot of, you know, uh, testosterone and, and energy and everything, and just thought that I was the best there was. I had wonderful parents that gave me every opportunity, but I had a lot of challenges growing up. I suffered with ADHD. Now, ADHD is considered a learning disability, but it's funny because when you get out of school, it's called multitasking, and then everyone thinks it's the great thing. I look at it as a superpower. I can do five or 10 different things where most people could barely even complete one task. And I do it with a lot of energy because I'm constantly excited and in motion, but in school, that's not the best thing. So I was used to having a lot of people tell me I wasn't gonna amount to anything. I was gonna be a failure. Matter of fact, I went to about six different schools from kindergarten through high school. So I finally get down to the Marine Corps and we're training and they're kids from all walks of life. I mean, we got kids in the middle of the, from the coal mines of West Virginia to the inner city projects of New Orleans to the cornfields out in Iowa, very strong mix. And when we got down there, we were all equal. And I realized that all those advantages that I was just fortunate enough to be born into weren't there. And the platoon was marching, we all went left. I accidentally turned right drill instructor pulls me aside and single me out for what's called IPT, incentive physical training, where they just scream and yell at you, do push-ups and then do flutter kicks and then do bends and thrust and burpees and back and forth. And finally he leaned over and said, your mommy and daddy aren't here to help you anymore. And for me, that was such a crushing blow because my parents had always been there. I'm in this transformational time in your life when you, you leave the nest. And more importantly, I realized I'm not as good as I thought I was, that we were all equal. And these other kids were smoking me. And the reason they were is they had so much adversity in their life that I never had. Mm -hmm. And that adversity prepared them to make it through those tough times and didn't prepare me. So I collapsed, started crying, curled up in the prenatal position, dropped my rifle. And he leaned over again and said, I knew you weren't tough enough to make it through the Marine Corps. And what I heard was all those people growing up telling me that I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not good enough. And that was my crucible. And so the premise is, and this premise goes all the way back to Homer writing about the Odyssey and the Iliad yeah. and all the different um, things where you have this warrior's journey of resistance and challenge and struggle, but then you have the crisis. Now your crucible could be a drug and alcohol problem. It could be a death of a family member. It could be a financial issue. It could be in my case, my crucible at that point was realizing I wasn't good enough. In that crucible, you have two options. One is the abyss. That's the bottom of the crucible. The abyss, as the great philosopher Nietzsche once said, if you stare long enough into the abyss, eventually the abyss will come back and consume you. It'll stare back at you. And we've seen that when people are struggling with addiction or in a bad relationship, the longer they're in that hole, the harder it is to get out of it. But on the other side of that is you have to look at the abyss with respect and with honoring it, knowing just the same way you'd be walking down a freeway 
You respect that that big semi truck that's traveling 60 miles per hour is dangerous, but don't spend too much time on it. Focus on what you need to do and walking down that hot freeway. And to get through your crucible, you have to transform and change. You just simply can't make it through. And for me, my transformation was shedding that civilian way of life, that feeling sorry for myself and becoming a warrior, becoming a United States Marine. And when you make that transformation and change in that crucible, that's when you really get to that warrior level. And all of us in our lives, when we find ourselves in that crucible, we got to do something different. If you got the same group of friends that are taking you down that bad area, or you're in that toxic relationship, or you're in that bad job, if you go back into it, you're going to get sucked right back in that crucible. So that's kind of how this whole thing started. And then my business kind of uh, came out of this, and, and we can certainly talk about that later here in the, in the discussion. Absolutely. And I mean, I love that you said that you brought up some excellent points about, you know, exactly what a crucible is and how it is a crisis. And, and um, you know, again, a lot of us have faced, faced that even in this pandemic. Some of us have had, uh, you know, crucibles before, and, and it appears that, you know, at, at times it could be more than one crucible that can happen. You know, I, when I, I mean, yes, there's, there, are, there are some pivots that we have had to make, but I definitely understand it. It's that time of crisis. And, and uh, you know, from what you're saying, it, it really, you know, requires you to, to look at, you know, how, what your reaction is to it, because everything well, is about that, right? The situation and then the reaction. And how you prepare yourself. So let's, let's take two groups. You got one kid, very wealthy parents, goes to nice, fancy private schools. Parents buy them a brand new car when they're 16. They don't get in the soccer game as much. The dad calls the coach up, yells at him, put my kid in, do this. They get participation trophies. They go off to a fancy college that they don't have to pay for because their parents are flipping the bill. As soon as they get challenged, they go into a safe space and nobody has to touch them. Then let's take another kid. This kid grew up with maybe a broken family. Mom's working two jobs, barely even sees the kids. His older brother's taking care of him or he's taking care of a younger brother didn't get the opportunity to do the fun things in high school, finally gets into college, has to work two jobs in college just to stay in there. Now, both of those have their crucible. What do you think is going to happen? Now, everyone says, I want to be in that first group that have the wealthy parents and everything's taken care of because that's easier and that's more fun. But that person's not getting prepared for life because when you get out into the real world, and by the way, we all know this, it's really tough. (laughs) Nobody cares. It ain't fair. Bad things happen, and that's just the way it is. The one kid is going to be invincible. He's going to have that warrior spirit because he's had so much thrown at him that that prepares him for that crucible. The other kid that has been so soft and gotten everything, when they're in their crucible, they're not going to be able to survive it. And that's really what my mission is, to talk to those people that have had adversity in their life, no matter what it is. Don't feel sorry for it. Wear it like a badge of honor and show that that is makes you unbreakable and you can get through virtually anything that God throws at you in your life. Because I'm a firm believer that he only, he only gives you as much as you can take. And a lot of times we think it's too much, but it's not. Otherwise he wouldn't be giving it to us. That's it. And I think that's exactly where that, that transformation and change comes in. It's being able to recognize it and, and to, you know, be able to almost operate from a space of brokenness. Because at that point, like you said, when you were down in that prenatal position, when that person was barking things at you and telling you that you were no good, you were at a place of brokenness. 
and and you had to you had to be able to to rebuild and to repair from that just like your muscles break down and 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 you have to have time to repair those things it's a matter of getting back into that space of saying okay how do i get out of this vacuum how do i how do i move from from this space of brokenness from this space of feeling like you know life is is not fair and like that i'm being thrown a curveball you know what, what were some of the things that that you started to do that that got you beyond that point because a lot of people get there they get to that place of brokenness and they wind up staying there or 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 they they can't seem to get out of the vacuum what was it that started that that the wheels in motion for you to begin to you know transform and to change out of that space so i love that term brokenness because it's almost a, i would almost say it's like we had them in the military we'd say take an operational pause where the battle was going on too fast or something, we have to say, hey, time out, let's all regroup, make sure everything's together. That's what your brokenness is. It's a chance to reassess on what got you to that point, what broke you, and how to fix it. And in some ways, the pandemic in the last year has given us all a chance to do a lot of inward reflection. And, and is this the right job that I want? Is this the right relationship I want to be in? Is this what's happening? And, and for me, it was a very transformational change because my company, we went to virtual and I realized I didn't have to live in the city I grew up in. And we moved down to Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. I'm literally living on the beach now because I can work like we're doing through Zoom. Mm -hmm. So I think the best way to explain the answer to your question is kind of take you through what happened after I got out of the Marine Corps. I get out of the Marine Corps a few years later, September 11th happens. It was a day we all remember very well. For me, it was very difficult because I had left the Marine Corps infantry and my brothers and sisters were out there taking the fight to the bad guys and I wasn't. And so for me, I had to do something. I had to make a change and be able to give back and to be able to serve our community. And so I joined our local volunteer fire department. Now, my full-time job was at Eli Lilly. I was in brand development and marketing. I worked on billion dollar brands. And what we learned is it's not about the features and benefits. Mm -hmm. It's about the problem that you solve. Right. And in that light, I went into a fire a couple of weeks into my job as a firefighter and I got lost. It was a horrifying experience. Couldn't see my hand in front of my face, totally disoriented, 80 pounds of gear on my back. Can't see anything. My air is running low. And that was a crucible. That was a tough time. Now, obviously I found my way out. And I remember talking to my colleagues, my brother firefighters, and they started to make fun of me. And they said, look, that's just the way things work. That's part of being a firefighter. You got to get used to it. I'm like, nonsense. That's not the way it works. We can fix this. And I developed this glow-in-the-dark material that glowed so bright and we could put it on our helmets and our tools. And I worked with a couple of different scientists and other developers to really make it glow brighter and longer. Started selling it out of the trunk of my car. I made about 5000 bucks in six months. I then went ahead and quit my full-time job at Lilly, went to this big trade show. And in three days at the trade show, we booked $100,000 in business. Wow. Now, the problem was I had no money to buy the raw materials. I had nobody to make it that level of quantity because I was making the other stuff in my friend's garage. Right. Um, I had no way to distribute it, but I'm a Marine. And what I learned back to that first crucible is I'm unbreakable. Wow. There is nothing you can do to a Marine that's going to make a Marine fail because we believe in mission accomplishment over troop welfare. That is in our ethos as a Marine Corps warrior. And so what I did is I improvised, I overcame, I adapted, I refinanced my house, I maxed out my credit cards, I started to borrow against my 401k, 
And I filled those orders. And over the next few years, I grew it into a $30 million company. Now that's the good news. That's the fun part. The bad part is there was a lot of ups and downs that went in there. And my real big crucible, my main life's crucible happened about three or four years ago when I got a call from my CFO saying that we were going out of business and in about three days, we'd have to start the process of filing for bankruptcy and liquidation. And I was on vacation with my family. I told him not to call me because I wanted to be able to be present with my family. And I remember it very vividly. It's even tough to talk about it today. I, I dropped to my knees. I felt a burning in my chest. I then felt the things shooting down my arms. I'm having the big heart attack, right? Well, thank God my wife was with me. She's a doctor. She's like, Yo, you're having a panic attack. you got to just go out and relax. So I remember walking outside. I walk into the ocean. I get into this beautiful lagoon, blue water. I start to dive down into the water. Literally, that was the abyss. I could have stayed at the bottom of that water and not come out. And I would say I was never suicidal. I never thought about that, but I certainly thought it could have been an option. Right. But when I came out of that water, I transformed almost like a baptism. When you come out of their water, there's a real process that happens there. Right. And I said, God, please give me a sign that this isn't over. If this is over, thank you for the opportunity to get out there. I had over 100,000 firefighters using our products in 25 countries. I got to testify in front of the small business committee. President Obama invited me to the White House and, and nominated me to represent the United States as, as a global entrepreneur uh, fellow. And the change I had to make in that crucible was I stepped down as CEO of the company that I started. It was a very difficult decision, but what I realized was the sign I needed was what he showed me. You can't do it all yourself. You're carrying too much weight. And by giving up and by having other people help me that's when the company really transformed and, and over the next few years just absolutely exploded from that point on. My goodness, you make a, an excellent, excellent point when you talk about, you know, the fact that we cannot do everything in and of our own ability. And I think that's what happens. So many of us, uh, you know, are not will, willing to, you know, to pass the, the, the buck or, you know, we create a mantle and then sometimes we're not willing to step down off of it and have someone else come in and, and to continue to expound on it. And that's a huge thing to, to have to do because we don't want to let go, especially because it was your business. It was your baby. You know, you knew what you, what you wanted it to, to do. You knew what expectations you had for the business you know, and it's difficult to take that and to, to, to pass that on to somebody else. But it also requires a lot of trust as well, I'm sure, because now you're passing it on to someone else, but you don't want to pass it on to someone else who's irresponsible or who isn't an extension of what it is that you are trying to do. So, you know, I think that, that that's an important point that you make, that we do have to realize that there are things that we cannot do in and of our own ability. And we have to be willing to ask for help when we need it. You know, so I think Kim, that that's great. Kim, you're, you're so spot on and used a word that I think is really appropriate. And that is, you said it's your baby. If we have a child and we carry him around on a pillow to like two years old and we never let him crawl because we're scared they're going to fall and hurt themselves, they'll never learn how to walk. We haven't really done a good service as a parent to them. If that kid turns 18 and we keep him in the house and we drive him everywhere and he gets to be 25 and we still 
cook him breakfast, lunch, and dinner and lay his clothes out for him, you're not doing a good service for them. That's you eventually have to let your baby go and stop being there. You'll always be their mom, that's but right. at some point you got to stop being their parent and you got to let them fly and let them go out. And that's exactly what happens with the business. And I think the number one failure of entrepreneurship and the reason the failure gets so high between the fifth and the 10th year of entrepreneurship, 90% of businesses fail after uh, 10 years, 50% mm-hmm. fail after five years. And the reason why is usually the founder is a great person to get it started, but the skill set to grow a company is very different than the skill set to start a company. And you need to have very detailed focus. Again, as a superpowered multitasker, right. I'm not going to follow up on stuff. Now I'm going to do a right. bunch of things and I'm going to be energetic and people are going to love my charisma and my speaking, right. but that's not going to help organize the bills and, 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 you know, hire and fire the right people and, and work with your contractors that's where that partnership is so important in that teamwork that you talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, especially, you know, demand, a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, you know, they, they're, you know, they're like, yes, it's a great idea. People are going to like it. But then when, when it really takes off and like you said, you know, how am I going to, to mass produce this? How am I going to, to be able to meet those orders? If I don't, you know, if I've never thought about, you know, doing it beyond, you know, like you said, your friend's garage, you know, you, you, you expect your business to succeed, but then when it actually does, you're like, uh Oh, so, so it's almost like, again, mindset somewhere in the back of your mind, you were saying, yeah, this is a good idea. Yeah. This is going to be great. But then sometimes we don't take that next step and say, okay, so what if it really explodes? <laughs> and we've seen a lot of businesses do that. You know, you have Shark Tank, you have all these other shows where people have put the money in and it's just like, wow, okay, this is really going to explode. But are you able to meet the demands of what you set out to do? And I think that that's also a, a, a life question too. You set certain expectations for yourself, but are you able to meet the demand once, you know, it actually does take off? You know, so it's almost like asking yourself, you know, do I really have faith in what it is that I'm doing? And, and, and if I do become a success, am I able to, to take it? And some people aren't. Yeah. Well, you, you bring up so many good points. First of all, faith, which I deeply believe in, but I don't believe in blind faith. Blind faith is just going out there and just assuming it's going to work out. You got, God gives you little hints and little things and you got to be aware of that, but not blind faith that just, Hey, I'm just going to pray it away and it's going to be fine. No, he's going to give you the tools that you have to use to do that. Um, You you made a really interesting point about when you talk about that, there's a great quote that says, if you're going to grab a tiger by the tail, you better have a plan for the teeth. And a lot of people don't think about that. They're just trying to grab hold of that tiger. And don't ever mistake uh, from a business standpoint, revenue with profit. You have a lot of businesses that are one or two man operation that are making $100,000 in revenue and they're taking home $50,000. And then they have this thing, well, we're going to franchise and open up to four stores. Now they're making a million dollars in revenue, but they're spending $1.2 million to manage all those stores because now they got to have legal they got HR, they've got all this other stuff. So even though you may be making more revenue, it doesn't mean you're putting more money in your pocket. Right. Sometimes the best thing to do is stay at that little tiny shop and cook, make sandwiches out of that shop rather than trying to open up a big production plant to put it on the shelves of grocery stores. Right. So never mistake profit and revenue. They're very different things. Right. I mean, again, I mean, these are, these are excellent points. These are wonderful nuggets because that's what we do. We, you know, we, we make assumptions about, 
about uh, certain aspects of the things that we're doing. And, and we, we think that we're looking at the bi bigger picture, but at times we're not. And, and sometimes, you know, we have to be able to say, you know, sometimes even for, for smart business owners, for entrepreneurs, they may have that plan for how they're going to exit out of their business. We've heard people say that uh, when they talk about entrepreneurship, do you have an exit plan for your business? When you're starting your business, how are you going to go about, you know, going to the next phase once that business has reached a certain point, or do you have a plan? That's why they have business plans. That's why we should have a life plan. That's why we should, you know, be willing to write things down so that that way we can write out our visions and see what it is that we're seeking to accomplish. What is the end result? Once I do this, is this something that I'm going to continue doing? Or is this something that I love so much that I want to continue to do it? Or is it just something that I'm wanting to do for a set amount of time? How And then how do I depart from it? once I do get it to that, to that space? So those are important questions. The, that's planning. And they always say that failing to plan is the same thing as planning to fail. Um, to your point, everyone has an exit plan when they hit a million dollars in sales, I'm gonna sell out and do that. How many people have a plan of when to quit? Because a lot of people don't, and that's something. So you may have to say, once I'm $100,000 in debt, once two years goes by and this isn't working, I'm gonna go ahead and cut the bait and stop fishing. Right. A lot of people don't do that. So I always tell people you have a plan of when to quit and a plan of when to sell and a plan to when to put the gas on and everything else. And, and I did that. I got to a point where I put so much of my own money in. I'm not putting another $10 in this business. If I have to put another 10 bucks, we're done. And that was a real transformational point to me. So um, the, the plan needs to work both ways because this is the worst addiction you'll ever get involved in your life is entrepreneurship. It is, it is harder than any drug, than any gambling, because what happens is you put good money into this and then you start chasing more good money and you're chasing bad money with good money. And then all of a sudden it becomes so a thing because you're like, oh my God, I can't give up. It's my identity. I'm making this change. It's been my dream. And it just, it, gosh, it gets so difficult. Yeah. And I guess that's why you have people who are serial entrepreneurs, some people who are, you know, start going in, in the direction because it's just something, sometimes I think they get caught in the vacuum as well. well it's just that, like, and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I love <laughs> that feeling of not knowing if it's going to work or not. And that excitement of it. And I love to go play blackjack now because I like winning money, but I like the thrill of what's that next card going to be. So yeah. You've got to have someone like me, but you got to balance someone like me out with someone that's a really good CFO like I had that can sit there and say, now, wait a second here. Let's not necessarily do that. You're being a little too impulsive here. You're doing whatever. Right, right. So there has to be that voice of reason. And that goes back to what you were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, when you're going through transformation and when you're going through change and you're going through that crucible and taking that time to stop and to say, okay, these are, you know, who's around me? Who's influencing me? Who's in my ear? What's going into my eye, my eye and my ear gates? What am I hearing? What am I seeing? Who are the people who are influencing me? And so I know that it's important, like you said, for that balance and for that transformation and for that change to take place, that you have to have, uh, you know, the right people around you, you know, and, and have the right form of communication with those people to be able to say, you know, this is, this is what I'm thinking. This is the goal that I have in mind, you know, and, and I'm going to need you to partner with me or to, you know, to be or in my the hell out. be that point yeah, or be that voice of reason, which is like you said, you need to get the or, hell out. Bye -bye. Right. Yeah. 
and you're so absolutely true about this. So there's a concept in statistic called regression to the mean. And that means that if you have a bunch of things that are up here and one thing down here, eventually that one's going to pull up here. If you've got a bunch of things down here and one thing here, eventually they'll all get back to the average. So if you hang out with a bunch of bad people and you're sober and you don't drink, but they all drink every night, eventually you're going to start drinking. That's right. If you're someone that drinks too much, but you're around a bunch of sober people, eventually you're going to become sober. The same thing goes in business. I did not have a great team. My team had a lot of heart, but not a lot of talent. And my crucible that finally smacked me in the face and woke me up and said, hey, you got to do something. I fired most of the people. I brought in a whole new executive team. And the standard I used was, you better be better than me. Because when I sit in a meeting now and I look around my room and I realize I'm the dumbest, least qualified person in this boardroom, I did a damn good job because now I'm regressing up and I've surrounded myself with those good people and I got the hell out of their way. And the reason I couldn't get out of the way before was because they weren't good enough. I needed to help them, but I'm only so much. I couldn't do all that work all the time. And for me, what was debilitating wasn't the big decisions. I was good with that. It was every day, 30 to 40 small decisions, a death by a thousand paper cuts. Do we use this phone provider, that phone provider? Do we call this customer up or this one? Every question would come to me. And if I stop answering the questions, everything stopped. But when you hire good people and you empower them and you get the hell out of their way, then you don't become the limiting factor in that situation. I love that because that's what we have to do. Most of the time, the the biggest person that's in our way is (laughs) ourselves. You know, because we we want to have control over every aspect of everything not realizing that we were not by design, we're not designed to be able to do everything like they like the, the saying is no man is an island. There's always something that you don't know that you can learn that that uh, you can glean from the people that are around you. And like you said, you don't want to always be the smartest person in the room or, you know, or in your in your circle. Somebody has to be able to be there to, to kind of balance you out. Or like you said, to, to, to elevate and to encourage and to inspire you. So I think that, you know, it's important that we do, we focus on making sure that the people around us are there to assist. And if they're not, that we at least have the resources to reach out to those that we do need to. And that, and, you know, and that, that brings up the issue of pride. We have to be able to, you know, put that pride aside and say, okay, you know, I need, I need help. I can't, I can't do this. So So I I think there's a big difference between pride and confidence. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between confidence and arrogance. And being proud is something should be very private. Okay. You shouldn't tell people that you're proud, but being confident means that you feel that you can accomplish whatever that is in front of you, that you have the courage to do that. And courage does not mean the absence of fear. People say, are you scared when you go into a burning building? Hell yeah, I am. (laughs) You're not scared going into a burning building. You need to stop being a firefighter. But I have courage to get through there because I know the science and the training on how to mitigate the risk and do that. And there are certain times where I'm not going to go into the burning building because it's just, it's too far gone. And that's the same thing around pride and confidence is having that courage to have that difficult conversation. That person that's been your employee for 10 years to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to let you go. Or that friend you've had for 20 years since high school, but your whole time she's been telling you that, you know, making fun of you and teasing you. And every time you out with her, she's trying to compare stuff. And every time you say, I did this, she did something better. There comes a time where you have to have the courage to say, I don't want you in my life anymore. 
Wow. You were great for that time, but not anymore. And, and that's where the crucible comes in. And that's where you have to have that warrior uh, spirit of courage to get through that. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk a little bit about, about those steps that, that we need to take. And we were saying, you know, one of them, of course, is making sure that, that we have that, that strong circle of support and, uh, you know, that, that we're building confidence. What are some other things that we can help our listeners to, to, uh, you know, really tap into as they're, they're looking to, to make that, that choice, you know, because like I said, right now, we're all kind of in that crucible. People are going, you know, into the new year and everyone, you know, has aspirations of things that they want to do. How do they build from there? How do, how do they get to that? Well, the first thing you do is you go out and you buy my book, Warrior Entrepreneur, because it's yeah. got a layout of everything that's on there. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, let's break through um, the chapters in that book, because I really built it. The book is written in three sections. The first section is we take a deep dive into the science of adversity. We talk about the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems. That's your fight or flight. That shows you what happens. Your body's going to actually have physical changes. It's going to release cortisol and adrenaline and increase blood flow to your brain. And that's going to cause you either to get scared and run away, or it's going to cause you to stay there and fight. And we talk about tools and tactics you can use to help exemplify that. Um, I break, um, once we get through the science, then we start to talk about examples of the different traits. And I'll go over those here in a second. And then the final part of the book is I interchange stories from the ancient samurai and the ancient Spartans to modern day Navy SEALs to entrepreneurs to all these type of things and give examples. So the first one is teamwork. You and I really talked about that a lot. Teamwork, you can't do it alone, have that great team. The next chapter is purpose. You have to find your why. If you go through life without a purpose, it's kind of like a, a ship without a rudder. You're just kind of going where everything's goes. So what is your life purpose? It could be spiritual. It could be financial. It could be making a difference. For me, my purpose was helping my brother and sister firefighters not get disoriented and ultimately not getting killed. The next chapter is on confidence. As a leader, as an entrepreneur, you have to have confidence because again, people are going to tell you, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. And I had multiple people tell me it wasn't going to be successful. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. And when I drive by them in my Ferrari and I downshift to second gear, so it's real loud, I kind of smile at them when they told me I wasn't going to make it and not good enough. The next one is adaptability. You have to have that flexibility to make those changes. You talked about COVID. My company was coming to a grinding halt because of COVID. We sell, our main product is exit signs that don't have batteries, light bulbs, or electricity. And there's not a lot of retail stores that are open that we can sell these to. There's not a lot of businesses we can go into. So we had to make a change. And our adaptability was we make them on these plexiglass sheets and we buy the sheets that are like big sheets of drywall size mm -hmm. and we cut them into shapes like the size of a license plate. Well, I started cutting them into shapes a little bit larger and we started making COVID protection barrier. And over the next couple of months, we became Home Depot's largest distributor of COVID protection barriers and made more money in the COVID months in the COVID year than we ever did any other time. That's adaptability. Most other people would say, oh, there's change. What are we going to do? No, you can find it. The restaurant industry has been hammered by COVID, but there's some people that are just nailing it right now. And they've been able to change their footprint and change things. Then we get down to tenacity. Tenacity is basically saying, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. 
I'm going to keep going over and over and over again until I get that thing solved. Mm -hmm. And then you have grit and grit, I think kind of fits into tenacity where tenacity is more about just repeating thing over and over until you get it to work. Mm -hmm. Grit is no matter what somebody throws against you, you're unbreakable. You're not going to have that. Then we get to sacrifice. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you are going to make sacrifices. You're going to lose friends. You're going to have uh, issues for me. I lost basically seven years of my family of spending time with them. And there's a saying that entrepreneurs will live a couple of years of their life like no one can imagine. So they can live the rest of their life like no one can imagine. And because of all those challenges I had flying, I traveled 150 nights a year for five consecutive years gaining weight, having all those times away from my family. Now I'm finally able to enjoy some of that hard work that we did. And then the last three, I think, are kind of tied in together. The first one is morals. You have to have morals. You have to have. Now, morals are going to be different for each person. Is the moral don't lie, cheat, or steal? Well, I don't know. I think stealing is definitely bad. But if your family is starving to death and you've got no money and you see an apple that rolled off the cart, do you give it back to the cart or you take the apple and give it? I think that's justifiable. So you have to figure out where your morals are. Right. Lying, you should never lie. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's certain times where you don't have to tell the whole truth. If somebody, you're in a, um, a business situation or something, I mean, you have to figure out where your line is. Right. And it's different. Um, I interview a CIA officer and they have exceptional integrity, but yet they're paid to lie and deceive people. Right. So, you know, where is that level coming there? And then the second to last one is purpose. Again, that purpose is kind of, what is it you ultimately want to do? What is your goal that you're ultimately trying to get across? And then the last one where, Kim, I think it really falls on you and, and bless you for what you're doing is serenity. If you don't have serenity, you can't balance all that out because everything I talked about up to this point are really hard, difficult things. And at the end of the day, we're human. We're losing more of our warriors to suicide than we are to combat because they're not focusing on serenity mindfulness, meditation, prayer, whatever you want to do, um, physical exercise, your mind and your body are connected. The big, big one, big one, sleep. Yeah. It's the thing that a lot of entrepreneurs give up. A lot of warriors give up as they don't get adequate sleep. Um, and there's all these types of things, having your tribe, having your group of people that you can be raw and vulnerable with. I just went on a hunting trip with eight other entrepreneurs that are CEOs. And we were sharing stuff that we could never share with our family, that we can't share with our colleagues because we didn't want to be weak. We didn't want to be looked at in that way. So I think if you kind of go down that, that recipe, if you will, yeah. um, and the book has just got story after story on, on all those different tactics that you just talked about. Uh, awesome. Asked me about. Awesome. And I love that you went through each and every one of them because each one is key. And, and it is a matter of understanding that it's a process. You know, we live in a world now where everything is, you know, we want everything instantly. You want everything on demand. You know, we press the button on demand. We want it right now, you know, please, Amazon's at my house every day because you know, I want it now. I'm on Prime. I'm not, you know, we, we, we're always rushing to have things done in, in the immediate, in, in the right now. You know, Michelle was called how now, but no, talking about living in the now, but living in the now does not mean that everything that's going to happen is going to happen right now. Everything well, it's funny you say that because the, the excitement you get from Amazon is not opening the package up. It's pushing by. Oh, yeah. It's the anticipation of getting it. It's saying, am I going to do this? Am I gonna do this? Yeah, I'm going to boom, buy. Right. I mean, it releases a, you know, this yeah. great endorphins in your body. And then when you open it up and you get it, you're just like, okay, now what do I do? I got to buy something else. What's boom, buy, do it again. 
That's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. And and I mean that's that's what happens. We 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 want the instantaneous. We want the things things to happen quickly. And and we have to understand that it's a process. Everything that you talked about, confidence, adaptability, tenacity. Some things are going to come, you know, when we least expect it. Some things are going to, you know, are going to rattle our cage a little bit and, and, and cause us to have to make some hard decisions. But the thing is being prepared. We, you know, it's, it's not what's happening. What do we do as a result? When we find out these things, when, when we develop that team, when we realize that we have toxic people, what do we do? Do we hang on to that or do we move from that? When we're talking about our purpose, do we just identify the purpose that, oh, this is really something that I want to do? Or do we do that, take that deeper dive to try to find out, okay, so what does it take to, to, you know, achieve that purpose that I'm looking to do? How do I build that confidence? How do I develop that tenacity? You know, what, what am I willing to sacrifice? So there's always that second question that comes along with these wonderful things that you've listed about purpose and teamwork and confidence and tenacity and grit and morals. You know, do we, once we identify those things, do we live by those things? So I think that, you know, these are important things to, to, you know, help us to develop, but that we have to understand that that is a process and, and, and we have to be in that mindset to be able to say, okay, I want to do something different. You know, like I said, I'm on this wellness journey. You know, I had to make up my mind that, you know, I want to have a lifestyle change. I want to eat properly. I want to exercise. I want to do things that are going to help my body because I want to be here for my grandbaby and my husband and my daughter. These are people that are important to me. And so, you know, but, but it starts with the mindset. It's not just talking it, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, it is um, Benjamin Franklin who said, um, what was the, the, the statement? He says, you know, well done is better than well said. So we want to well, be- that's that point that. where you need not that tenacity. Yes. Because making the decision to make that change is not a one-time decision. Right. You need that purpose. Why are you going to do that? You have to have the confidence in yourself that we're going to do that. You have to have the grit to go through those tough times to make it through it. Um, so yeah, they all fit together. They're all like a puzzle. That's it. And we need to help. We need to support the big thing. Ask for help when we can't do it in and of our own ability. So, you know, that these are wonderful, wonderful ways to, to build that warrior and to build that inner warrior and to identify those crucibles. Because, you know, apparently even as we've spoken, you know, they can come up more than once. It's not just going to be that one. There may be that one that's that huge life altered altering one that's for you but there there always are those little small ones that are going to come up that we have to be able to address as well that are possibly preparing us for that large one that may still be to come so even though we conquer one or two crucibles in our life it doesn't mean that others are not on the way because nothing is is promised or guaranteed so you know i thank you for for bringing these uh you know things to our attention for really talking about the crucible uh, you know what it is and breaking it down because you know, these are going to be important as we're moving forward, as we're looking to to define who we are and to create, you know, that better person, that better version of ourselves. We should always be seeking to do that, to to, uh, do those things that are going to to take us to a next level of living. So one thing I do want to ask, uh, you know, as as we're wrapping things up, I always ask all of my guests, you know, what are you doing in the now to to try to, uh, you know, well, 
to navigate in this space. I say, you know, to cope because I think a lot of people are having issues with coping. And I say that COPE is the acronym for creating our peaceful existence. How are we, how are we coping in this space? So what are some of the things that, that you do to cope in this space? So what I find is that my greatest joy and what touches me at my biggest case, my purpose is to give back to others and to help others learn from what I've done. So I am really on a new mission now. I'm trying to start this movement, this warrior movement. I'm looking for people that, that want to get better. Now, it doesn't have to just be around small business or entrepreneurship. That's a big part of it. But I'm getting ready to, in the new year to launch a series of online courses that go through everything that we just talked about and take them through step-by-step step and give you exercises on how we can improve those. Um, in addition to the, the book. And then we're also starting to do some, from a business standpoint, business to business coaching, where we're actually going out to businesses, teaching them how to be innovative and creative like an entrepreneur, but have that rigid, rigid and that discipline, that follow-up like the military. That's going to be designed more for you know, company owners that have 10, 15, 20 employees. But the other ones, you know, and again, the best way to, to get in touch with me, the best way to learn about this new purpose and to and to join my team is just go to warriorentrepreneurbook.com warriorentrepreneurbook.com probably in early january we'll officially launch the warrior training courses um, again they're going to be not only online very interactive but there's also going to be one-on-one coaching with me where we're going to actually get together via zoom or on the phone and when you go to warriorentrepreneurbook.com make sure you fill out the contact us so i can get your information and then also, if you'd like to buy my book, we're offering it 50% off right now on the website. If you just use the coupon code podcast2021 um, and you can get uh, the book. Look, it's anywhere from 99 cents on Amazon if you want the audio book up to 25 bucks at Barnes & Noble if you want the hardback. And there's audio books and everything else in between. So there's no excuse for you not to have it. Makes a great uh, holiday gift, especially as we're coming up in that time and it's a great opportunity as we enter into the new year to to start working on your warrior journey and and use this as a guideline. Absolutely. I love that. So I said, he said, www.warriorentrepreneurbook.com. And that will be, of course, in the description for the show when it airs. And again, uh, 50% off on the book, Amazon and uh, you know, Barnes and Noble, if you use the code podcast 2021. So I love that. That's a wonderful way for them to, to tap into you and to tap into, you know, that inner warrior. So, you know, like I said, I am so delighted that you took time out of your schedule to come and be with us uh, here on the podcast this afternoon and to talk about, you know, what your crucible is and, and identifying ways in which we can tap into our warrior spirit. So again, I wish you the best of luck in all that you are doing. Keep being a warrior. Keep helping to train future warriors because we need that in this time and in this season. And, uh, you know, as things are continuing to progress with you, we'll always ask that you come back and let us know how you're doing in the now. Okay, so with that, thank you so much. Do you have any parting words for our listeners before we go? The coupon code is just for the website, not for Amazon. Okay. And Kim, I, I really want to 
tell you how much I appreciate, honor, and respect you for doing what you do. You are a warrior. You are out there with tenacity and grit and giving everybody their sense of purpose and serenity. And the world needs more chems out there to help us all talk about this. And I'm just deeply honored to, to be on this journey with you. And I'm, I'm glad to call you a friend. Yeah. And I thank you for all you do for everybody out there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I receive it. Thank you so much. Okay. And so with that, we will end this edition of the of the How Now podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And until we see you all the next time, I say peace. Thank <laughs> you.